This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Conor O'Neill, joined this afternoon by Joe Thomas and Gav Buckland as we look back on what's been a pretty momentous day in the history of a football club as they appointed yet another new manager. This time, Sean Dice, the man chosen to lead the Blues, replacing the sacked Frank Lampard. We will also look back on Anthony Gordon's departure after it was confirmed on Sunday afternoon that he was he joined Newcastle United. And, of course, look ahead to what is said to be a huge, huge 24 hours fall involved with the club as the transfer window deadline do, looms ever closer and Everton have work to do in order to get some much-needed new bodies into the squad ahead of Saturday's huge game against Arsenal at Goodison Park. But, Joe, there is only one place to start. And after days and days and days of speculation... Everton finally confirmed that Sean Dyche was their new manager at 2pm on Monday afternoon. It feels like it's been a hell of a long time coming, but finally Everton have their new manager. Bill Cameron and Farad Mashiri, you could say, have their man. And all of a sudden, Everton knows he's going to be in charge moving forward. Yeah, that's it. Obviously, we've had the announcement this afternoon. You know, It was an open secret over the course of the weekend. Lots of places, including ourselves, uh, reported Dyche. Dyche had emerged as the number one candidate on Friday and was set to be appointed. It was just a waiting game from there. I think most people probably saw the, the pictures of, of Dyche at Finch Farm on Saturday, either when he was arriving there in his vehicle or when he was posing for, for pictures with fans outside at the end. So, I mean, I think it was it was, it was was clear that it was, it was going to be him. So, it was just a matter of a waiting game. And I think, I think we got to the point where there was as much time between us knowing he was going to be the next man and then confirming it as there was between Frank Lampard getting sacked and, uh, and us knowing who his replacement was going to be. So, I mean, you know, it's been a, been a wild few days, obviously, with that and also with Anthony Gordon's departure. But, you know, we, we, we covered this a lot on the last podcast. But, yeah, Sean, Sean Dyche is the man. And two-and-a-half-year contract means that, you know, if, if he fulfils that, then he'll probably be the man to lead Everton into their new stadium. Gav, please don't take this the wrong way. But as someone who's a bit of a senior veteran when it comes to seeing the Everton managers appointed over the years, have you ever had a time like this where it's taken so long for the confirmation to finally drop? Yeah, just you don't have to be senior to see a lot of Everton management changes well, these days. I think yeah. it's all to I think you need to be about the age of ten. Gives you um, enough experience. <laughs> I was just thinking that. By the age of ten, I'd, I'd seen like two Everton managers. You know, if you're ten, now you would have seen eight, wouldn't you? Really? So, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I was even talking to Joe before we came on here. That's all sorts of legalities and contract stuff, isn't it? That delays all this type of uh, of you know making it official. But you would like to think in the background that it, it, the same amount of work would have been done over the last three or four days, and if he'd been appointed, say on Thursday. Um, so really, that just rubber stamping something where the work's already started behind the scenes. So it's not as if they just sat there twiddling the thing, fingers, hopefully, hopefully, and just fingers and thumbs, just waiting for dice to get it, get agreed, and then start work. You know, thirty-six hours from the end of the transfer window. You would imagine that's been all our work's been going on for some time. So I'm not particularly worried about that, um, Connor. To be honest with you. Yeah, but it'd be nice to see, and we've got to talk about the transfer and to see a couple of signings. Joe, I mean, you know, just just on Dyche, obviously, you know, Everton have got the man. You know, he's experienced Premier League manager, proven in the Premier League. 
But the job facing them is an absolutely huge one because Everton are mired in another relegation battle. And at the minute, fans only see the, the club going one way and that is ultimately down. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got a big challenge. I mean, he spoke very well, I think, in his his first interviews that have been released this afternoon. You know, speaks about the honour it is to, to manage Everton and, and speaks well about the fans and, and getting their passionate support behind him and how valuable he sees that. He also speaks well about what he wants from his team. He, you know, he wants a team that... You know, Everton fans can be proud of. They give everything for the badge. That's uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll fight for ninety minutes plus whatever stoppage time there is, and you know, get it through blood, sweat, and tears. And obviously, you know, we know that's what fans like to see. It's obviously just got to get it out of those players now, really. So, you know, I think you know he, he took charge of you know we're speaking at twenty past three now. Training this afternoon began at half past two, and that was his first training session. So he gets his first look at. Uh, the lads, as we speak, obviously, he already knows about James Tarkovsky, Michael Keane, and, and Dwight McNeil from his Burnley days. But you know, he'll, he'll have a look at some of those players and make his assessments. Obviously, you know, 24 hours, a bit more than 24 hours left of the transfer window. But I'm sure he was having discussions with Kevin Fowell over the weekend over that. And Everton, you know, will have been making inquiries and moves still then and, and will continue to do so. So there can't be any any kind of ignorance or naivety that his hand needs to be strengthened. If Frank Lampard didn't have a good enough squad, then, you know, Sean Dyche also needs improvements as well to give him the best chance. But, you know, he knows his terrain well. He's experienced operating a side with a, a limited budget in the lower reaches of the Premier League. Um, and he knows how to make sides difficult to beat, how to win points. And, you know, hopefully as a result of this, Everton, you know, are in a stronger position going into into this next part of the of the season now because they have a you know, an experienced operator who knows what he's doing in, in, in this part of the table. Gavin, no, Joe, Joe touched on it there in terms of, you know, his first interview with, with the club's in-house media channel. You know, Dyke certainly said all the right things and, and you know, pinpointed all the, the attributes that Everton fans want to see from their team. But like we've seen over over the, a number of years now, it's very easy to talk the talk, but to actually get this Everton team playing that way is a lot harder challenge. Yeah. Many, many, many managers... No, a, a fail to do. Yeah, this is the key point for me. Um, spoke a little bit about this on Friday. Is you're talking about Bielsa joining, and says so one of the problems with Bielsa joining because, like, when he joined Leeds, they were a Championship club, weren't they? So, getting them into buy into Bielsa ball or whatever you would call it is a place at that level. It's pretty easy to do because, with all due respect, the Championship players aren't they? So. They're going to be far more receptive to what the manager wants if it's something that's unusual and it's going to stretch them. And it's Dice is similar, isn't it? Because when Dice started Burnley, they were a championship club, weren't they? So getting champions, I say all due respect, getting championship club players at a place like Burnley, getting them to work hard and sweat on the shirts and all this is at that level. That's what you would expect them to do. You would expect them to respond. Now, I get the fact that Everton are near the bottom of the table and Bernie near the bottom of the table and, and you know similar scenarios, but the squad is a completely different squad, isn't it, in terms of their expectations and what they're used to in football. And the challenge for Dice for me is it's not the same as what he was at Burnley. It's completely different. I mean, if you have a look at the last set of accounts, the salary of Everton players was more than, on average, was more than twice the salary of a Burnley player. The players who, who are used to being treated differently, 
and it's how he uses his is how he how he don't know what the best way to persuades converts players into his style of think his thinking and his style. You may be not used to that. That's going to be the big challenge because, as you say, quite rightly, the one thing this Everton team has not shown itself capable of over the last few years is working hard. And that's the thing Dice has to get them to do. That's part of his... There's this interview knocking about when he talks about management philosophies and stuff like this. That's part of his career as a manager, isn't it? And he sort of alluded to that in his early early, uh, interviews. And that's going to be the challenge for me. And I think I said that on Friday is responding to that it's in the player's gift isn't it not not dice there's only so much he can do so it'd be interesting to see how he approaches that or indeed does it does something completely different where it's not working hard it's getting the boast out of your players as well in, in terms of flair and 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 attacking so yeah it, it's it's a different challenge to me to Bernie completely when you talk about the playing squad Joe do you think almost as well in, in this that this is a big, you know, this is Dice's big moment to prove that he can manage, you know, outside of kind of the Burnley bubble and that, you know, your club, your club in terms of, you know, maybe come up into the Premier League, but then could drop back down onto the Championship. You know, there's been a long talk about, you know, Dice getting an opportunity like this at a club like Everton or, you know, others like Aston Villa and Leeds where, you know, they're, they're seen as a kind of solid Premier League outfit. Do you think, you know, pressure on him now isn't to show that, you know, he can deliver on in, the, in, these, in these situations and he can't, you know, get like Gav said there, get players playing who might not be, who might be harder to motivate than the ones who he's motivated before. Yeah, I don't know about that so much because I think, sadly, at the minute Everton are in that Burnley bubble, really. You know, this is a second consecutive relegation fight and it's another transfer window where they haven't got any money to spend. So, you know, really, I think you know, for Everton to have the best chance of getting out of the problems in the first place, you know, they have to approach this like they're very much in a relegation battle. It's got to be all backs to the wall and you know, throw everything they can, to, you know, to try and get out of it, and then only only once seven survive, can you know, start to look to you know longer term progress, and and that will depend on where they are with the finances in the summer as well. You know, it's all well and good, obviously Everton are a fantastic club, a storied institution with a, a brilliant history. Of course they are, but the minute they're they're a side that is repeatedly in relegation battles and is repeatedly among you know the lowest spending clubs in the in the transfer window you know you only have to look at it this month i think um you know nottingham forest leeds bournemouth southampton have all spent millions leeds broke their transfer record in trying to get themselves in a position where they can get themselves out of the relegation battle Everton haven't brought in anybody you know so so first and foremost i think it's just going to be about survival it's just going to be about you know gritting the teeth and and just fighting and fighting and fighting. And then maybe, you know, you get to the summer and it hopefully has a bit of money to spend. And then it becomes a, a question of, can he manage a club as big as Everton? Or obviously a lot bigger with all due respect than somebody like Burnley. You know, can he do that? That that challenge, I think, is there for, and that question to answer is there for another day. First and foremost, it's just got to be all about keeping Everton up. And, and to do that, he's probably got, got to go back to the basics, a bit like our guys alluded to there the basics of what's performed and what succeeded so well for him at Burnley and that is getting these players to fight for the badge, getting to fight for the 90 plus minutes and, you know, just, just not leaving anything out on the turf. So, you know, I think the sooner everybody at Everton, including the players, acknowledges that and they're in a relegation battle and they can't be naive towards it, then the better the chance Everton will have a survival. Gav, do you almost think, though, that there's, you know, a point to be made in the sense of, 
you know, Sean Dyche probably never got a better chance to come into Everton with expectations so low. You know, a lot of fans are even kind of sitting there saying, well, this might not be enough to keep us in the Premier League or we might, we might have a bit of a chance. But, you know, for a club that maybe, you know, five, six, seven years ago had aspirations of, you know, top six finishers in Europa League football and then pushing on to the, champ- the Champions League, now it finds itself in a battle just to stay up. And some fans, you know, a question whether you know, the appointments of Sean Dyche will even be enough. Do you think that expectation almost helps Sean Dyche though? Because there's not a lot expected of him in terms of, you know, transforming Everton and, and turning the fortunes around. Uh, yeah, especially when you first get two games at Arsenal and Liverpool, isn't it? You can't have <laughs> expectations from that. Um, yeah, I, I, I get that. Uh, there's a little bit of a little bit more. He's getting appointed in 2002, isn't it? About disappointments, mm-hmm. I think. About the expectations then. After he'd had that horrible run, hadn't he, for a number of years, was, you know, keep us up. And then all of a sudden, we got seventh the, the following year and, you know, Moyes had overachieved, and there's a similar similar background to the appointments and a similar opportunity for Dice. I bet Dice is a far more experienced manager than, than Moyes was. In you know, I think there'd be 10 years between them. Uh, Dice being 10 years older than Moyes when he took over. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, he, he's operating from a very low base, but as you just said, <laughs> operating from a very low base means that. You're managing a group of players who's, who's low on confidence, not not has got the quality that the, you know that that they should have, and um, you know you need you need motivating and and so that that's the other side of the coin. If you can get that right, then yeah, there is a big opportunity for him over two and a half years, assuming we can get some of our finances in order and give him a little bit more money than what's been given to managers over the past couple of years. So. Definitely, but I tell you what, it's got a hard job to uh, make it happen. But that's a, a good point, though, Joe, isn't it? In terms of what Gav's saying there, in terms of you know, looking forward, Everton right now needs stability. You know, they need someone to come in and they need someone to you know, get behind and, and almost you know, gather through there and David Moyers. There was times when it wasn't so, going so great for David Moyers, but you know, Bill Kenwright stuck by him and, and in the end reaped the benefits in the long run. Everton needs to do the same year again, don't you know? There, there can't be no knee jerk, you know hitting the panic button reactions from far up machine like we've seen before. You know, Everton needs stability, needs someone in charge like Sean Dyche is now and needs to get behind it for the foreseeable. Yeah, they do. I mean, obviously, as a, say that against a backdrop, of, you, know, you could argue that, that Lampard got a few more games and he probably, I think everybody was surprised that he stayed after the Brighton game. Um, so they did show a little bit of additional faith in him there to try and turn things around. Uh, but yeah, obviously they've, they've got to give. You know, Dice has come in today and spoken about remodeling the club and, and building it to a more you know, progressive and successful future and a stronger future. Obviously, those are words that we all like to hear. We we want that kind of wider vision for for Everton. Uh, and in order to get that, he's going to need time. He's going to need patience. He's going to need a degree of financial support as well. But yeah, I think Dice will be the manager now to the end of the season, at the very least. I think. Um, you know, they, yeah, they can't they can't afford knee jerk reactions or not to give managers time, and yeah, I think they're going to have to give him a bit of patience. Certainly with those first two games, obviously they're not they're not free hits. Um, yeah, but Arsenal top of the league and Anfield derby is is always difficult. So you know, Everton can't afford to kind of say, well, we'll just accept that we're going to lose those and then concentrate on Leeds. You know, they've got to look at both of those games and 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 do everything they can to get something from them. Um, 
but yeah, you know, if, if they don't, then obviously there still needs to be a degree of patience and understanding that Dice is new to a difficult situation here. Gav, Joe says they're a difficult situation, difficult test ahead. You know, you, you alluded to it a little bit yourself before in terms of, you know, what's to come for Sean Dyche. But, you know, it really doesn't get much tougher, does it? Than, you know, not just these next two games, but the next six games in that Everton have got, you know, first up two of the best teams in the in the, in the the league, yeah. the leaders in Liverpool, you know. Okay, bit of a rough patch at the minute, but, you know, still got some very, very good players. And then they have four huge games of which they play Leicester, Leeds, Aston Villa and Brentford at home and Forest away in four games that could essentially define the season. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, just picking up on Joe's point, I, I take comfort that, uh, Joe, that gives Sean Dice the stability of four months in the job, which compared to the last few years is <laughs> quite a commitment, isn't it, for, uh, for our managers, really? Yeah, yeah, you, you are right. So the, you'll find out how hard the players can work in the next two games, because Arsenal will work you hard, won't they? You know, and Liverpool away, I know they've been struggling, That's that's always a difficult game for us even with a good team so you would like to I'm just trying to think make a positive out of this you would like to think over the next two games you'll, you'll be able to sort out the men from the boys in the squad and use that intelligence for the, the, the four more winnable games or more games where you get more chance of getting points um, from you know after those two big matches but is, is, there, is there a little bit of an elephant in the room in this appointment, in that if the worst comes to the worst, and we did go down that part of the attacks in his dice, that he'd have a great opportunity of bringing us back up. Well, I wrote something similar last week when we were talking about in the sense of if Everton went down, the person they'd almost be looking to to bring them back up would be someone like Sean Dyche. You know, being there, done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can they yeah. compete in the Premier League? I do think there is an element of that. And I also think there's an element of that in Bielsa as well. Obviously, he had experience of getting these towards the Championship in that, yeah. you know, the long-term thinking of it is whoever gets the job could stay in charge if the, the worst does come. Yeah. Now, I, that, 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 that for me is is another attraction. It, it shouldn't be. So let's hope we don't get there, but that's another attraction of that, that appointment. Joe... Moving on, there was also some significant news on Sunday evening from both Everton and Newcastle, and that was confirming the transfer of Anthony Gordon. I think we can, you know, all say in the end, I think both parties got exactly what they wanted in the sense of Gordon got the movie long craved, and Everton got the feel that they've been holding out for. You know, it was a, a real sorry situation. But one of the big things for me was the you know Everton statements, although short and brief and brutal as it was, did confirm a line saying that Anthony Gordon, you know, submits the formal transfer request to leave the club and, and ultimately force his way out. Yeah, it was quite telling the statement, wasn't it? I think for, especially for a lad that's been at the club since 11 years of age as well, you know, it's a real shame that it's kind of ended on this 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 way as well because I think, you know, last season, Anthony Gordon was one of the few bright sparks of a very difficult campaign. You know, he burst onto the scene and we you know, played a really important role in, in keeping Everton in the, in the Premier League, him and Richarlison were probably the two talisman, you know, during the, you know, the darker moments of that campaign, the two people that could, you know, get the crowd on their feet and, you know, make it make a difference in the game. So to see the relationship between him and the club deteriorate so dramatically so quickly is, 
you know, it is a real shame. You know, I kind of I have some sympathy in the sense that, you know, I spoke to him over the summer and he was saying that one of the things he's really looking forward to this season was, you know, having less pressure on him to kind of do the defensive side of things to almost play as a de facto wing back like he was for much of the back in the last season and to try and focus more on being higher up the pitch and scoring goals and setting up goals. And I think that, you know, that hasn't really materialised this season because Everton haven't really progressed in the first six months of this, or first few months of this campaign. Again, they struggle to score goals. And, you know, I think Gordon has been a part of that. He has flattered to deceive. Um, but he's also started the season playing out of position because Everton didn't have a striker. Um, and then even when they did, you know, he, he spent much of the of recent months kind of playing in a side that just doesn't really play to his strengths. Obviously, on, on, the, on the flip side, you'd say somebody that has the belief that in themselves that they can for, that they're happy to and willing to force force their way out of a club like this, then you know, perhaps he hasn't showcased the performances that would perhaps meet his own expectations and ambitions of himself. Uh, I think there's a, I think there's a player there. I think I think he'll do well at Newcastle. Um, but I think it's a good deal for Everton as well. I think Everton's get roughly the same amount of money that they were offered for him in the summer. Bearing in mind the last four months or so that he's had, I think is exceptional business. And um, you know, obviously it'll it'll help. Bearing in mind he didn't you know he didn't turn up for three days of training last week. It said that one of those training absences was authorised, the other two weren't put in a formal transfer request. At the end of the day, if you've got a player there that doesn't want to be there, then you know, you may as well get rid of him unfortunately, and that's that's what's transpired. So to get such a large chunk of money for somebody that hasn't really performed particularly well consistently this season and doesn't want to be in the club. Um, you know, I, I think that's I think that's good business from Kevin Farwell and Co. It's just a it's just a shame that it's ended up like this for Frankly Gorn and Everton, and you know, not just off the pitch because obviously it leaves a sour taste for the fans, but on the pitch as well because you know his his final moments in in a in an Everton shirt was that incredibly clumsy challenge to, on Che Adams to bring uh, you know to bring Che Adams down at the end of the Southampton game for the James Ward Prowse free kick goal. That, you know, he comes off the bench and does the one thing that everybody knows that you can't do against Southampton. That's give a stupid free kick away twenty yards from goals, and Everton got punished for it. So, you know, it's it's a it's a real shame it's ended like this. But ultimately, I think it's probably a good deal for both parties. I think Newcastle have got a, a lad who's a real talent, and I think Everton have got a really really good transfer fee for someone who didn't want to be there, for someone who, for whatever reason, isn't performing particularly well in the conditions that there are at Everton at the moment. Gav, do you, do you think the real shame here is the fact that Gordon's added his name to the list that contains Francis Jeffers, Wayne Rooney and Ross Barkley and, and ultimately forcing away out the football club? Um, I'm trying to think of the department. I mean, don't think maybe Barkley perhaps, but don't think they were, the other three were explicited in, in mm. uh, you know, trying to get themselves out the football club. I mean, I, I don't remember any of them missing saying. I mean, Wayne went, went in the summer, didn't he? And Barkley was a January transfer window, wasn't it? So it's far worse than that said on Friday. I, I was trying to think, it's, it's probably the most ill-judged and badly behaved departure from Everton Football Club since uh, in December 1972, the infamous Bernie Wright smacked, <laughs> punched the trainer, Stuart Imlach, in the face, got drunk, 
tried to break into Harry Catsick's office, who was the manager at the time, that led to the cat escaping down a fire escape at Belfield. And then, uh, you know, we got rid of the football club and it's in, add to these behaviours in that category, isn't it, really? Um, you know, just just dreadful, dreadful behaviour. And <laughs> it makes me laugh about, you know, I've had two unauthorised absences, but don't worry, the third one, I was I, I was, I was authorised. <laughs> that makes a difference to the whole thing. <laughs> it's just... I, I just thought it was, you know, I just thought that was just, it, it's not, as they always say, it's not how you join an organisation that counts as how you leave and you, whatever good Willie built up being an academy product and stuff, he is, he's blossomed his copybook for me, not wanting to leave, like, you know, Wayne and Barkley and probably Franny Jeffers, but the way he's done it. And, yeah. um, at a time when the club was struggling, by the way, you know, obviously we've got far more important things than Anthony Gordon's contact on, on the on the table at the moment. So it's sort of getting us up when we're at a weak, a weak stage and you know, in terms of the, the flux in the organization as well. So the time of it. Said on Friday, absolutely dreadful behaviour, and he gets no you know, he doesn't get any good wishes from me at all. Do you think Doug have this is one one of them situations where, you know, in 10, 15, 20 years' time, you know, Gordon will come up and say he was ill-advised and, you know, he wishes he could, you know, go back again and do things differently? Like, like we've seen. I, so I, I, I don't think I don't think age comes into it, does it really? No, what age, no matter what age you are, Connor is, you've got to turn up for work, haven't you? <laughs> you know? Well, me John, it's often, often. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a basic... Basic party contact, isn't it? Attend the workplace. It's a given, you know. But, you know, you, you, that, you, that applies whether you're 18 and your first week in your job or you're in your late 50s and you're, you know, you're 40 years in the job, you turn up to your place of employment. You don't not turn up. You know, I'm not, I'm not turning up for two consecutive days. Whatever he does in 20 years' time, and that's irrelevant, isn't it? Okay, he's been poorly advised, but ultimately, he's a grown lad. I mean, he's been around the first team for a couple of years. He knows what's right or wrong. And and, and I, get, I get the poorly advised, but actually, it's on his head for me. And um, I, I find his behaviour unforgivable, unforgivable. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, you know, speaking in his, his first interview since he left the club, Anthony Gordon did say he didn't mean to disrespect Everton. You know, he he, he, was, he seemed a little bit of apologetic in, in the way things had turned out. And, you know, he, there was one line in there where he said he hoped, you know, the, the money they've got, they could, you know, re, the club could reinvest that in the squad and, and help, you know, turn their fortunes around, essentially. But do you think that's just a classic case of, you know, the talk is, is very cheap and when it comes you know, to the crunch, he he had no reason to act the way he did and and, and you know behave the way he did. Yeah, well, I mean, it's 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 kind of always it's a bit hard to tally some of those words with the images of him, you know, tapping the badge on his new Newcastle shirt, you know, someone who's Everton through and through, and then you know they leave and you see him, yeah, you you see him fondling the Newcastle crest and and doing the his celebration where he puts his fingers in his ears, which, you know, surely a kind of case of, you know, cutting out the noise of the critics and things like that. And you just think, right, you're probably trying to have the best of both worlds here. I'm sure he does, you know, 
want the best for Everton, but you know it's it's quite clear that at this stage in his career he didn't want to give the best of what he's currently got to this Everton side and the predicament that they're in. You know, can that's that's fair enough to some degree. You know, it's it's his career. Obviously, you only have one of them in football. Is quite short. He joins the Newcastle side, which you know, there's every chance that he'll be playing in Europe next season. So. But it is it is very frustrating and it is very difficult to kind of marry the words of the statements where you know it's 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 nice words to the um Evan supporters and things like that with uh, say the, the manner of his departure you know the the transfer request the not turning up for training um you know it is it is all a bit it's just all a bit hard to take I think. Joe, stick on with you because you know look looking ahead now and looking to what's you know in front of us. Yeah, a huge, huge day awaits Everton tomorrow. I know transfer deadline day often gets overplayed. I think you know it's built up to be something that's probably quite well, probably not been in recent years. Certainly, when you look at Sky's coverage and how they <clears throat> promote it, but for Everton, there is a huge feeling around what is to come. You know, Monday night certainly, you know, Tuesday before the deadline, because you get the feeling that this could go a long way. What happens now? To define what happens in Everton's, you know, last 18, 18, 17, 18 games of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's the last opportunity to kind of take matters into your own hands to you know be able to positively influence what's going to happen over the coming months. And yeah, you know, there's no doubt that Everton needs signings. Frank Lampard, you know, the club acknowledged he probably needed two attacking signings going into this transfer window. Well, they've just lost Anthony Gordon, so you could argue that maybe they now need three. Obviously, Gordon's departure leaves a little bit of a hole, not not as as much of a hole as it would have left maybe if he'd have gone at the, in in the summer, because he played a crucial role in some of the games around that period. But and you know, as opposed to last month or so, where he hasn't really played that much for Lampard, changing mm-hmm. system, Damari Gray's form, bit of illness has all kind of conspired to keep um, Anthony Gordon out of the starting eleven, and probably probably some of the issues that have led to his departure as well. Like, I mean, this wouldn't have come out of absolutely nowhere. And, you know, Frank Lampard, his last, the last question that he answered um, from the press as Everton boss was whether or not he wanted to shed light on Anthony Gordon's future, having chased the game against West Ham for 45 minutes and decided not to bring him on. And, you know, he, he declined to do so, but, you know, you'd suspect that there must have been some rumblings of something there in, in the dressing room before... Yeah, by by that yeah that earlier stage. So so yeah, but you know it's it's a huge, what twenty thirty odd hours now since we speak for Everton haven't brought in a single player over this transfer window. You know Lampard repeatedly said okay the budget's tight, but he thought there was money to bring in players, permanent deals. Well that's been bolstered by forty odd million pounds given from um, Anthony Gordon. So we know they've got money to spend. Obviously we know that the desperation of their situation. And the fact that they've just everybody knows how much they've just got for Gordon's probably going to make negotiating a little bit harder. Clubs are going to want a little bit more money, a bigger slice of that Gordon pie. Um, but Evan just don't have a choice now. They, they they've just got to strengthen. You know, they, they need attacking players probably. So they need, need wide players. Need another goal scorer. Um, you know, there's a few rumours about whether they look to address other areas of the team. I think other areas of the team could do with support. But more than anything, this Evan side needs goals. Uh, they need to find them. So. I, I'd expect that, you know, the next, I expect that it's going to be busy from now on up to the end of the transfer window. We're already starting to see some some rumours emerge now, like as, as, as we've been on, there's been suggestions that haven't have bid £40 million for Conor Gallagher from Chelsea. Now, 
Gallagher is a player that Everton have been interested in for a long time. I think Frank Lampard gave him his professional debut. Frank Lampard wanted him to bring him to Everton. You kind of suspect that if Lampard couldn't entice him to Everton with everything that their history had together, it might be a difficult sell to, for, for Sean Dyche to do so, particularly given the relegation balance, certainly on a permanent deal as well. But, you know, there, there might be an opportunity to bring him in on loan. I think, um, again, as we're on, it looks like Chelsea have put in a new bid for Enzo Fernandez. So that's another centre midfield that if he signs, will be coming into into their club. So it's going to look, look difficult for opportunities for Conor Gallagher. And Chelsea probably aren't going to want him to send him to someone like Newcastle, who are also interested because they'll be a Champions League rival. So, you know, maybe there might be a deal to be done if, if Everton can, you know, maybe go in for a loan offer, pay a bit of a fee to get him on loan. And that way around that that might help, but you know they they also need forwards. I think uh, Kamaldi and Suleiman from from Ren is someone that's definitely on their radar. He has been on their radar all month, just like he has been on Southampton and Bournemouth. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a proper move for him um, in, in the coming hours. And then beyond that, I guess it's just a kind of wait and see. Really, we know Newcastle trying to get rid of Ryan Fraser. You know, is he somebody who will get your pulses racing if you saw him on the Sky Sports ticker tape coming to Everton? Possibly not, but he's a proven Premier League player. You know, he is another body and he probably would be quite cheap. Um, and it'd be interesting to see what happens with um, Victor Gocker as the, the Coventry striker as well, because, you know, again, it's a bit of a gamble. It's a gamble. He's never played as high as the Premier League. We don't know what he's going to be like, but... You know, in a position where they have to take gambles now, probably they've missed out on players like Ings. Anthony Langer's probably staying at Manchester United, judging by Eric Ten Hag's comments on Friday when uh, he was responding to questions about Facundo Palestri and basically said, well, Palestri was in, you know, he was involved against Nottingham Forest in the Carabao Cup, so you can see he's part of my plans. Well, Langer was also part of, of, of that squad and got on and set up the third goal, so the same logic probably applies to him, but you know, Gokhrus is a goal scorer. He gives them another option. There's also the element, I suppose, that none of us really want to concede it. But if you were to get relegated in the summer, you at least got someone that is proven goal scorer in the championship level. So there is that element as well, which what didn't exist perhaps in the summer. So I think yeah, hopefully it won't. Hopefully it won't reach desperation levels. I don't think it will. I think. Part of the reason it hasn't yet is probably because I think Kevin Farwell is a shrewd operator and kind of still have a bit of faith in what he's doing. Um, but, you know, I, I think Everton are in a position now where this is their last, this last 30-odd hours is their final opportunity to kind of shape the next few months in, in their own fa- in their own favour, to try and do something to proactively influence what's going to happen over the next few months. Um, and they've just got to use it. If that means spending all the money they got from Gordon on a mishmash of players, then so be it. The squad just needs strengthening. Are you more surprised that Everton are being linked with other players than forwards, given you know, the need for attacker reinforcements? And how clear it's been for a long time that you know, I think Frank Lampard even said himself in that Everton needed help in attacking areas when, when interviewed during the World Cup break. Are you surprised the Everton linked with other areas of the pitch? And, and the focus isn't on bringing in attacking reinforcements. When you say attacking a striker, you mean rather mean you didn't uh, class striker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, possibly, but as Joe said, we're not exactly flush with money, are we? I know we got forty million, but if you but you know if you want you know that that only gets you so much. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think. But uh, the, the same thing is, isn't it? That 
one of the reasons we failed is that actually we provided no service to our strikers, mm. either Mopay or Calvert-Lewin, and they'd look far more effective with um, with somebody providing quality either from out wide or from behind them. Uh, and, and I do think that's been a big miss for me, is somebody playing like that sort of number 10 sort of role, that kind of Gallagher role, I think, that he plays. And you could see why, I mean... You can see why we want to buy him. I couldn't see why we want to join Everton, to be honest with you, uh, for lots of different reasons. Uh, but that sort of role, I, I could see why you could, because unless you have that, I think having bringing another striker in is is a bit of a waste. You can't provide them with, with ammunition. So possibly for me, striking and attacking midfielder would be um, something I think be. Something I'd like, or you know, a striker and a second midfielder and a winger, maybe. But then again, you see, the thing is, this then when we talk about reinforcements, look at dicey teams try to play 4 4 2. So, how would that work? So, how, what would Conor Gallagher play in a 4 4 2? He'd probably have to play as a second striker, wouldn't he? I would imagine. Um, and you wouldn't stick him in midfield. So, well, we've also got to be thinking of reinforcement, but by the way Dice is looking at it in terms of his his beliefs and how he wants his team to play, and he may he may you know he may be looking at different different options. He may say, well, if I play four four two, Mopay and Calvert Lewin are fine. Could say that. Joe, so, sorry, yeah. So, so I'm just going to say, so it's up to Dice's Dice's. Thinking maybe different to Lampard's thinking, but maybe different to our, our thinking about how how he wants to get players to fit his style of uh, football. Joe, do you think you know this just kind of illustrates the, the fight and the problem Everton have got in their hands? Because although you know obviously been quite clear from the weekend that Sean Dyche was coming in, but still very little time to bring in players and and, and you know for him and Kevin Fellow to come up with a list of players who who suit both of them the way they're thinking and the way they want to take the club moving forward, given the short time that they both got to get deals over the line. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it's it's obviously going to be a difficult period um, for them. You know, there's, there's going to be different strategies that are going to probably compete and contrast with each other. But ultimately, I suppose, if everything's working correctly at Everton, then, you know, Kevin Fowler should be kind of setting the course and you know, having the dominant say in, in everything that they do. Um, you know, it feels like Dice is probably... Falwell's appointment as well. I think um, it's quite well known that Mashiri's first choice was Marcel Bielsa um, for, for manager, but um, whether or not he just talked himself out of it, I'm, I'm not sure, but it always felt like a real gamble that for Everton, given the situation that they're in, whereas Dyche feels a lot more of a sensible one. So, yeah, when it comes to transfers, obviously, yeah, the, the, the timeline is very, very difficult and, you know, getting, getting, Farwell and Dice to have a sense of each other is going to be difficult as well and, and what they want but I think Dice probably has to trust that Farwell knows what that squad needs and trusting him to kind of you know get those players and almost almost leave him to his job and then you know Tuesday morning Wednesday morning once it's all done pick up the pieces and see what he's got left Gav you know you touched on it there but there's another problem Everton faces the position that they find themselves in you know they're not the most attractive opposition to be joining right now. And anyone who comes in knows that they've got a long few hard months ahead of them, which they've got to try and get the club to, to Premier League safety. Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. Um, 
just just reiterate the point that was again that I said on Friday, and I've said a couple of times about the winter is is it's all about dice getting the best out of the players who are there at the moment. Going back to what I was saying before about getting them to to buy into his his beliefs how he wants football to be played. If that doesn't happen, then any people we bring in in January is just a waste anyway. The, the, the counter to that is, actually, if he does get the best out of the players that are there and get them to work hard and commit themselves, then players we bring in January has been the icing on the cake. So, it's it, to me, it's still around getting the best out of the squad. Another two or three players are not going to make a lot of difference if you can't do that. So, in some respects, I'm quite comfortable about the January window because I'm more interested in getting the best out of the 17 or 18 that are there at the moment. But yeah, going back to your point, uh, Connor, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, that goes to other clubs down the bottom as well, doesn't it, really? Um, I think possibly the one thing we've got compared to others we may be, offered, be able to offer from a better financial package probably would be my my guess. And um, yeah, that works against us. So when you think about it, not having a manager, being near the bottom, bit of flux at the, at the, within the club, that doesn't give you a good preparation, does it, for the January transfer market? Which points back to Joe's point about the starters. Was Lampard there too long? You know, did that six-week gap for the World Cup do us any favours? Really, I think that's made the decision over Lampard far more difficult. So yeah, but in some respects, it's our own own doing as well because we've left it we left it for a number of reasons a bit too late in the day. But. And then that's a, that's a, you know repeating last year's uh, January winter as well, isn't it? To a degree. George, just to finish, what do you you know hand on heart right now? What do you genuinely expect to see from Everton? What do you expect to happen by the end of tomorrow's deadline? Yeah, I, I reckon I reckon there'll be signings. Um, I reckon there'll be multiple signings. Uh, Oof. I think if so old. Uh, yeah, I think I think there has to be. I think there has to be. If there's understanding, I think that that possibly changes if Conor Gallagher, if, if that's a deal they can get over the line, because they say it's, it's reported about forty million pounds. So I don't know what other money Everton would then be turning to. Really, I know they had a little. I think they had a little bit of money on top of you know already before the Gordon sale, but that would clearly take out the bulk of it. But I I reckon two or three signings. I think um, next thirty odd hours. Who they'll be, I reckon. You know, I reckon if, if Suleiman is from from Ren is available, he's someone that's definitely on their radar. You know, Southampton and Bournemouth have been interested, but they've shown that they've got money to spend. So, if they haven't moved for him yet, they probably won't do. So, so maybe him. And then I wouldn't be surprised if they if they did someone like like Gokers or someone from the Championship, just um, someone where they have just about enough money for the club that owns him to not really be able to turn down at this stage, and just to strengthen their hand as well. Um, you know, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised. If there's a few surprise ones as well. You know, a couple of you know like a lone player or two just. Perhaps a player that you know, players that have been have become fringe to their clubs over the course of this transfer window, uh, that might surprise us. But you know, I still think Everton can be a big pull when you, you know, just the name, the history, the fan base. Um, if if they can get themselves onto the right players, um, and they have the finances in place, and I, I just I just can't see us. I mean, it's just so big. This window's so big, and, and they've done nothing. 
they've done absolutely nothing yet. And it's probably one of the most important transfer deadline days in the club's history. But I just can't bring myself to think that, I mean, you can hear my voice has been going all throughout this bloody podcast, but like, you know, I just can't bring myself to think that nothing's going to happen in the next 30 hours. And surely it's going to be more calculated than just blowing all the money that we've got on, on one player. Surely there's going to be a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And, you know, maybe they might just get Suleimana involved. Maybe they might just get, you know, someone like, you know, Gokka is on a permanent or something like that. I know those aren't particularly wild shouts. And I'm sure that over the next few hours we'll come out with all sorts of names will start coming out of the woodwork. But, you know, so I think, but I, I, I say, I just can't countenance them not doing a decent chunk of business. Whether it'll be good business, we'll have to wait and see. But surely there'll be incomings. Gav, and for you, what do you want to see from Everton? Before tomorrow's deadline, that'll make you sit there tomorrow night and think, you know yeah. what, we're trying to stay up. I think that, that was what we needed. I tell you what, I do want to see tomorrow. I want to see you, Joe, and Chris being totally rushed off your feet all day. No food, <laughs> no natural breaks. Because two weeks, yeah, 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 that's that's good. Um, that'd be good news to see you all very busy. And what I want, I just want to see coherence and a logic behind the dealings, whoever we bring in. That sounds almost like it's too much common sense, Gav, for what we've witnessed yeah. in, in, in recent time. But it certainly would be a right, a step in the right direction for Everton. Uh, certainly, you know, big pass in the back for Kevin Fellow. But gents, we will leave things there because I think we've. Shoot the fat enough overall things, Everton, Sean, I shan't Gordon and transfers for now. But we will be back on Friday, of course, to look back on tomorrow's deadline day and what signings Everton hopefully bring in. And also look ahead to Arsenal and look back on Sean Dyche's first press conference as Everton boss. But for today, gents, thank you very much for joining me. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.